The following program is intended for mature audiences. And we are back after a little hiatus. We had to take like a month off. I'm talking to the super deaf dope producer, the brains behind this operation right here, Miss Judy Sketch Lewinson up in Canada. What happened, Judy? How are you? It's good to be back. I'm good. How are you? Well, um, we've, I'm, I'm no longer doing the backstroke through my living room, so that's good. <laughs> but uh, there's still a lot of flooding up here, and uh, you know, we're sending out thoughts and prayers to people who have lost a lot more than I did. So uh, yeah, you know, they had a big it's flood good to be back up, in the double wide. Yeah, yeah, you had a big flood up in in the Couve. I just had the Corona, no big deal. You know, a couple of days, I just had a little Rona. But you, your equipment <laughs> was almost destroyed. Yeah, yeah, and that's serious. It started floating away and. And things like that. But uh, like I said, people have lost their homes, their farms. Uh, I know. So basically, Vancouver's been cut off from the can- uh, from the country. Yeah. The highway's collapsing. It's That's crazy. Apparently, the Lord's coming back up here. Apocalypse has started. It's fine. Welcome back. Welcome back to the light. <laughs> to the Lord. I, I was just thinking of, I think it was uh, Joe Walsh of the uh, Eagles. Yeah. They had big fires when he lived in Malibu and he lost all his equipment. So when we had those big fires like three years ago again, I heard that he threw all of his guitars into the swimming pool because he said, I'd rather, you know, have them wet and then take them in the shop and have them, get you them know, fixed, yeah. repair, get them fixed and to lose them. So he threw all his guitars, his Les Pauls and everything into his pool and the fires missed him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? always prepared, always prepared, always prepared. Anyway, I'm glad you're safe and we are back in action. Thank you. Uh, we got a legend on the two legends actually. One's a regular, another one. I'm 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 so happy to get this guy. But first, you know we like to do our top ten. Yeah. And tis the season. Um, this week top ten list. I think we did exactly a year ago. Top ten criminal songs. The king said criminal, so we're gonna say criminal songs. Criminal songs. You had a couple suggestions. I did. Yeah. I think at least one of them made it, Sketch. You know, you know, you know, you know the person that is in charge yeah, of the yeah. list. So you got some the juice. committee. The committee that that monitors this list. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little dodgy. It's a little dodgy down there. It's a bit dodgy over here with the yeah. vote in and everything. One of the judges is recovering from the Rona, so you know. You know, I'm, I'm a little, little woozy, because I'm a nightland boy. <laughs> Please don't. Please do not. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because you're really not. Argue. Moving you are on. Jamaican now. Is that look? Uh, my equipment will break down right now forever. <laughs> Island boy. <laughs> my God. You know who does better than you, Do you remember in the in the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, there was an artist out of England called Peter Andre, and he had a song called "Mysterious Girl." That sounds familiar. You're gonna look it up, listeners. Look it up, and all I say is that he is responsible for this. Oh yeah. That is all I'm going to say. Him it's not Billy Ocean, Snow. the Caribbean queen. No, 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 no. It's all right. What's his name? Snow. I'm gonna look him up. I'm gonna look him up. Come what's his collect name? their nephews. Like, just right. stop. What's his name? Uh, Peter Andre. Peter Andre. All right, Peter Andre. I'm coming for you. You better be an island boy. <laughs> Over the weekend, I had my niece <laughs> and nephew. Let's get to the list. Please. Katie's brother was going to kill me because I was teaching him to sing. Island boy. Oh okay. God. Top 10 Christmas songs. Facebook. Thanks for joining. If you have questions, uh, this is a Bob Harrow hat. Someone just said, what's what's the hat you're rocking? This is Bob Harrow, our guest tonight. Boom. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, top 10 Krillma songs. I can't let this dude wait in the waiting room too long. He may take off. Okay. Number 10 was a tie because we had like a bunch of songs. And I like both of these, but I don't know if they're like going to be classics forever. But uh, number 11, I think is a classic from the 80s. It's Christmas time. No need to be afraid. You know that one. Do they know it's Christmas? Oh, right, right, right. Do they know it? That's a jam. And that, that was a tie with number 10, Run DMC, Christmas Time, and Hollis Queens. Yes. Boom. Okay. All right, check that one out. And number nine is my daughter Faith's favorite by Miss Darlene Love, who I've been trying to get on the show, Christmas Vacation. Dun, 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 it's Christmas Vacation. Oh, cool. She's an OG of Christmas songs. Right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I was trying to catch her. She's doing like a Christmas tour. And I saw the other day she got an injury in kickboxing. So <laughs> 75 and still kicking some ass. All right. Um, this is uh, my son Collins, number eight, by Paul McCartney. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Good he probably wrote, he wrote that in probably shorter time than the song, actually, the duration of the song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's a jam. Um, Number seven, this was suggested by my super deaf dope executive producer, Joy to the World by Mariah Carey. Yes, and it's, it's the Mariah Carey version because- Mariah you know, Carey version? It, it kicks and up. Sketch and Sketch is going to sing a couple of bars from a ghost sketch. <laughs> I just like it because it's the traditional Joy to the World, and then it, it flips over to the all the fishes in the sea, whatever, you know, that second version. So oh, okay. Comes a was that um, on her first Christmas album? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that whole first now, Christmas album is, is pretty dope. Now I think Mariah just chills in Barbados until like December 1. She's like, okay, let's go time. Cha-ching. Yeah. But no, she, she's also bringing the Christmas. That's cool. Um, please come home for Christmas. Baby, please come home. That's a good That's one. That's a good one too. There's a bunch of, been a bunch of versions. They're all good. Uh, I, had to put a, I had to put an OG one on there, a mm -hmm. classic one. This was turned down by Bing Crosby. Gene Autry said, I'll give it a whirl. Rudolph the Red No Reindeer. Oh, that's a good song. I like that one. So, yeah, it was first pitched to Bing. He's like, oh, I'm not doing that stupid song. Um, this, one's a, this one's a jam. This one's a classic. Number four, Last Christmas, Mr. George Michael. Um, you agree? Yes. Facebook, is that good? Um, the only artist to get two on the top ten, Miss Mariah Carey with All I Want for Christmas. Yeah. Didn't Darlene Love do that one originally? Yeah. Somebody research yeah, I think that. So. It's and, matter. It's one other one that Mariah has. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, Mr. Donnie Hathaway, <laughs> this Christmas. Very good. That is, whoo. Gives Most me a put out some pretty classic Christmas songs. Well, Donnie Hathaway, man, is the real deal. And number one by my biological father, Santa Claus, back in town. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. That is the list. Top 10. And that's the OG Santa Claus is Back in Town, the bluesy, nasty 1958 one, not the London Philharmonics they did a couple of years ago, which is still beautiful, but you want the down and dirty Santa Claus is Back in Town, maybe the back, black Cadillac. All right, ready to kick it? Add us. Add us to your favorites. Add us to your favorites. Add us to your favorites. And keep your browser locked. Keep your browser locked. <laughs> He's the OG of BMX Freestyle. He's been called the godfather of BMX Freestyle. He's had like sick brands, like the biggest brands in BMX. Uh, he's designed bikes. He's worked with Red Bull. He's worked with the Olympics. Uh, 
Axio, I think, was his, also his brand, which is a luggage for like bike riders, motorcycle riders. All right, y'all, this is the legend, the godfather of BMX freestyle. Uh, that dude behind him on the wall looks familiar. Please give up Mr. Bob Haro. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes. Representing, buddy. Bob's not here, but I'll get him when he returns <laughs> from the restroom. <laughs> What's going on, man? Oh, it's been a day. It's been a good day, but a busy day. So I'm just, uh, I'm winding down. I was looking forward to chatting with you and Brad and and catching up and, uh, you know, seeing where this conversation takes us. And then Shoot, we after don't, that. We never ahead. know where it's going to take us. That's the beauty of uh, doing it freestyle like this, you know, and you're the, you're the freestyle BMX uh, godfather. So I'm like, let's just freestyle a little bit. But no, I used to send, um, I was I was following Bob because, you know, I've been a fan since I was a kid. And uh, he's probably the reason I had a couple of broken bones, jumping trash cans in the, in the, in the street. My mom's probably still mad at you. But uh, I would get those magazines. And I grew up in Kentucky, Bob. And just to, just to show you how much you influenced me, I was so proud of this picture in the newspaper that I put it in my book. That's awesome. And that's because of you right there, buddy. Are you riding that? What is it? A stroker? What kind of bike was that? Uh, that may have been a mongoose. Yeah. What do you think? I see the little circle. Mongoose had the little circle in the frame, yeah, right? Yeah, the head tube gusset. Yeah. It probably broke. It wasn't like a Haro. You know, I couldn't how, afford those. How old were you there? Uh, I think it was a 14 or 15. Formidable, uh, impressionable age. Dude. I said, Evil Knievel and Bob Haro. I got to represent them both tonight because they're both... Wow. Thanks, responsible buddy. for me being a maniac. Um, so, Bob, are you from San Diego or Orange County? I was born in Pasadena. Okay. And then we grew up, family moved to San Diego. And uh, so I, I, I claim to be from San Diego because I've lived here most of my life. So I'll take All it. Right. <clears throat> so are you in San Diego place. now? I'm in San Diego. I'm in a little town north of San Diego called Cardiff by the Sea. So okay. Little beachside community, and uh, yeah, it's good. I have my my house and my office here, and uh, all is good. Can't complain. You're such a humble dude, dude. I wanted to meet you, and I was stalking <laughs> you on IG for a while, and I would send you messages going, "Dude, please come on the show. Check this out." And you didn't respond. And then I went to the the thing at the Valley Relics Museum with our buddy Brad. Right. I met Brad there, and I'm like, Brad, I see Bob Hauer over there, and I better meet that dude. He's like, All right, come with me, man. All good. Like, yeah, I apologize I like, for that. You know, it's it's nice, you know, with all this uh, communication, you just get hit up a lot. And sometimes it's hard to stay on top of everything. You know what I mean? I understand. I understand. Yeah, so it makes it makes it a little bit tricky. So how long have you been doing your show now? We've been doing this in one incarnation or another for, for years. We were in a studio in Hollywood and then the, uh, the quarantine, the lockdown started. And so Judy, my producer, is actually in Canada right now. Nice. So we're like, let's, let's turn on a camera and let's do it uh, live from the double. See, we're in the double wide trailer here. Yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm from Kentucky. So we brought the double wide out to Hollywood. Yeah. Ill illegally parked in front of the Hollywood sign here. I like it. Yeah. Well, well done. Thank you, brother. But no, I turned my kids on to you. We were on the 101 a couple of days ago and, and we saw an RV go by and they had some bikes and I said, Look at the name of that bike right there. And it was a Haro. Oh, wow. Yeah. The planets are lining up. Yeah, dude. They are. They are for sure. Full circle. But um, so, Bob, did you start as an artist? I know you started, you skateboarded first, right? Yeah. Well, I did. I kind of did. Uh, I did everything first, meaning that, uh, you know, like any kid growing up and being a 
kid in um, elementary school and junior high and all that stuff, you know, you're influenced by all your pals in the neighborhood. And we had a, we had a busy neighborhood with lots of kids. So we were all into skateboards and BMX bikes before that was actually like Schwinn stingrays and things like that. And then later motorcycles and ATVs. So it was a big mosh pit of kind of action sports stuff. BMX just happened to be what I excelled at. You know, I wanted to be a, a motocross racer, racing dirt bikes. I was racing 100cc and 125s. But uh, I ran out of money because I was self-financed and uh, <laughs> at a supermarket. And, you know, you don't make a lot of money doing it. But, you know, it's uh, I, I backpedaled into riding a BMX bike full time, you know, so. But what was your first BMX bike? That's the, that's the short story. Stores that I, I get it. No, no. Yeah, my uh, first, uh, yeah, my first bike. Well, my my first bike was from Sears. It was called a Sears Spider Bike. My um, my mom and dad were, you know, used to do a lot of shopping at Sears back in the day. If people can remember that name, but anyway, you know, besides Sears tough skin jeans that you mm-hmm. as a kid. Later, we got, you know, I got a fancy Sears Spider bike. But it wasn't as cool as the Schwinn Stingrays, which I, you know, which we really wanted. Yeah. Eventually, I got a Schwinn uh, Stingray and tricked that out. And then later, when BMX in the early 70s came along, you know, got a proper BMX bike. And my first BMX bike was called a um, a Stroker. And okay. uh, it was a square tube frame bike, very heavy, but it was it was super cool. You had bags yeah. on it. and you know, box bars and a, and a plastic number plate. And, uh, you know, you thought you were, you thought you were moto moto star. So ride that, come, to school, ride that to school and that was good fun. Uh, did it come with the plate? No, you had to, you had to trick it out yourself. You had to put okay. stuff on you make it and you trick it out. And, um, yeah, I remember riding that. It wasn't very popular with the girls back then though, because <laughs> BMX wasn't cool yet. If you rode a BMX bike and you're a teenager, you know, you're 16, 17, 15 or whatever, yeah. you know, this is in the 70s, you know, BMX, action sports, X Games, all that stuff hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. So we were riding and you were just, you just looked like a older guy riding your kid brother's BMX, you know, bike. <laughs> I wasn't even call, you know, I didn't call it BMX bike. So, and so, so they anyway, saw, that, the, they saw the wheelie and they're like, okay, I'm down with the wheelie. All right. Yeah. Well, that showing off was part of it, you know? Oh, of course. You know, so you didn't, show, showing off was a big part. I still have that gene. Like you didn't jump trash cans, like in the, in the school field, you put them in the street where everyone can see you and you get a little crowd going, a couple Absolutely. of your buddies laying down on the, on the concrete. <laughs> Absolutely. We lived on a, uh, on a street that had a little bit of an incline and myself and my, uh, my brothers were the older kids in the neighborhood and we had lots of little kids, you know, being like eight, 10, 12 year olds. And we would, uh, you know, jump the kids and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? and <laughs> we lived in a neighborhood where everybody, you know, mom and dad worked. Yeah. So it was the kids running the kids. And we were, of course. So, um, yeah, we, you know, put a milk crate down. My dad worked in the supermarket, put a milk crate down and a plank on it. And that was Perfect. the ramp. It wasn't, the transition wasn't very smooth, but yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> it would, it would launch you and you'd get speed coming down the hill. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we did. We did all that kind of stuff and more, but that was the beginning of, of the, of the BMX journey. Oh, the freestyle. And then you had the bug, man. Yeah. All the way back in Kentucky. Like, I don't know if you were aware or at one point, 
what point you became aware of how many kids around the world and around the country you influenced, like myself that just saw these magazines, these you dudes in California. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I, I think, you know, I really didn't uh, understand what we were doing until probably I got a little bit older and then realized that because um, we were so busy doing things. You yeah. know, we were young guys and we were, you know, we were, you know, faking it till we made it, you know, yeah. kind of deal. You know, we were we were riding, we were doing shows, you know, the sport wasn't officially established. You know, we'd pile in a van and we'd take off on the road and we'd travel around and we'd ride at bike shops and malls and county yeah. fairs, state armories, you know, um, it was wherever, you know, BMX races, you know, we were the sideshow at BMX races. And, and a lot of it was just, it's like being in a band. Somebody gave you an opportunity to ride and perform in front of people. And so a lot of the times in the early days, we didn't really make any money. It was yeah. really just, we were so stoked to ride Yeah, and you had eyeballs on you and you got to ride at, you know, bigger events might've been at the Pontiac Silverdome for a wow. motocross event. And, and, less um profile deals would have been in a small town in the midwest at the at the armory there in town and there was yeah. 30 kids that showed up yeah and then other times you'd show up and there's several thousand people wow so it was kind of you know it was uh, you know how big maybe you know the interest was in that area but no that was you know the early days were pretty innocent and yeah yeah like i said it wasn't until later that you know, as I started going to more of the old school BMX events that I've had people come up to me and say, hey, you know, what? I was I was 12 years old and I saw you ride and that changed my course. I decided yeah. I was a racer at that point and I decided I want to do that. I'm, I my, my dad built me a ramp and a wedge ramp and and then I used to just practice every day. And then we started our own trick team and we were the local in our little town. We were the local hot, you know, team and we did demos, at, you know, so it was kind of that that era in the 70s and the 80s. It was the sky was blue and you can kind of do whatever you want to do. And we were all just kind of creating. Yeah. I'm sure you were responsible for this, but um I was sponsored when I with BMX, I was sponsored by a local record um store, Waxworks. And I thought we were cool because they just bought us jerseys. Basically, they bought us jerseys. Yeah. I don't know if they even paid our admission into the race. I don't remember, but we got to ride in the, the Christmas parade. So my buddy was next to me and we're doing wheelies. He, he does a toe stop, which you probably, I don't probably invented. I don't know. Jammed his foot in the forks, but he was going too fast. And so he did the toe stop and he goes flying through the air and hits the concrete and rolls into it. And everyone's laughing their ass off and he jumps up and takes a bow like he meant Perfect. to do it. He's, he's a natural showman. Yeah. You know, but of course we didn't have any helmets on, but he just rolled, tucked and rolled into it. But it was awesome. Oh man, that sounds, uh, that sounds familiar. So that leads me into this next guy that introduced us. So I think you know this next guest. All right, a good buddy of mine. He's the most frequent uh, guest here, friend of the show, stops in all the time. We might bring in Brad Luck because once he was on the show and someone crashed into his boat out front. So I hope, <laughs> hope nothing like that happens tonight. He introduced me to this guy. I feel like we're on the Brady Bunch. Give it up, Mr. Brad Fanshaw. Yeah. Hey, everybody. How you doing? What's up, buddy? Bob. Bradley, how are you, bud? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm just riding the wave with you guys right now. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, man, I'm just on with you. You are the star of the show. 
You know what Brad told me last night, Bob? I said, I said, I'll I'll bring Bob on and I'll bring you on. I said, because we've never done two guests at once. And he goes, bring me on with Bob, but it's Bob's show. So it's all about you, Mr. Haro. Oh, okay. This guy I see all the time. I always see that dude. I, I heard something while you guys were getting ready here when I was waiting. And I heard Bob saying how back in the day he would ride for free just because he loved doing it so much. He, you know, didn't always get paid. And it made me think, it's just like doing a podcast, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like you're being my guest all the time here. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, let me hit him up one more time. Hey, Bob, real quick, someone from Facebook asked, have you ever heard of the Hayden Brothers from Kentucky? They're, they're flat track. Of course. Track. Of course. So. Nikki Hayden and uh, Roger. Yeah, they're from my hometown in Owensboro. Oh, I, I, used, I did a little work with Nikki. Okay, so good dude. Yeah. When I when I had the, uh, my brand called Axio, mm-hmm. we made the backpacks and we made these hard yep. shell backpacks. And Nikki was world champion um, riding on uh, Repsol. He had a Repsol uh, deal then prior to the um, Ducati deal. So yeah, we put together a Nikki Hayden signature, a couple signature pieces with him. You did that for Nikki? Wow. I did. Yeah, I did. So, yep, of course, he's uh, he's he's a hero in the in the two wheeled motorsports world. Of course. Yeah. My hometown, there's a big statue of Nikki down by the riverfront. I so saw that. I saw that. You saw that. Yeah. I so did, a yeah. lot of like the Walter brothers, you know, NASCAR is big where I'm from, uh, motorcycles, uh, bikes. Um, when I was growing up, there was a guy named Tony Nurse from my hometown. And mm-hmm. Tony was like he was uh, sponsored by Jag, I think, or something. But OK. He would, he would jump, he could jump like, he could bunny hop like a picnic table. But he was like my idol besides you growing up because I actually met this guy and I would see him. I remember one time at the park and like you, my bike, I put together piece by piece because I had a paper route. So one week I would buy pedals, next week I'd buy grips. And it was like, I don't know if you ever saw Citizen Kane, but my bike was like my rosebud. Like that's, that's my, like I, would, I right. was proud to... To be, you know, riding wheelies through my little small hometown. Yeah. I saw him at the park once and he was on tour. He was like a pro rider in magazines. And he was like, hey, man, I like your grips. And I had just bought these grips. I was like, yeah, I kind of like them, too. He's like, can I have those? I'll trade you. And his <laughs> grips are jacked up. And I was like, oh, shit. I go, of course. <laughs> like So I traded grips with him. But I'm like, all right. <laughs> Whatever happens to that guy. <laughs> what am I going to do? One of my grips. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. My happiest day was when I finally got a gooseneck pad. My, but it was too late. My knees were already toast. <laughs> Your knees? You can't, you can't mention the other parts. That's yeah, yeah. right. That's right. The nard guard. Hey, um, so I gotta say, so to put this all in perspective, I mean, yes. Bob and I have known each other since we were just little dudes. I mean, I know. and I, Bob, I don't know if we ever even mentioned it. I, I don't even know when we met. I mean, we, we've known each other. It just seems like as far back as I can remember, because when I lived in San Diego and, right. you know, I would, you know, I'd hang out with Coy Hudson and Eddie King and and uh, all those guys back in the day, racing Rancho and, and um, Bike Shop of El Cajon, Lakeside. And I just remember, you know, we'd, we'd pass each other, but we really kind of got to know each other. I remember maybe... I won't say a year because I don't want to age myself or you or anybody. And um, but uh, no, it was uh, it was on one of the summer tours, and I think it was Bob. Was it Bob Hadley's van 
that that you did the the marker art on no, the that side? Was, that was um, that was Brighthop's van, Scott Brighthop's van. So that was the extra van. We had the bus. We I remember the, the bus, bus, but they yeah. had an extra van. I think his brother brought that out. It was like and a Ford F one. I mean, a Ford van or yeah. something. The big extended, extended white yep. van. They called. It, I think he called it the White Whale or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no, I I did a marker drawing on that. It was very bad. It's what I was I was still learning as I am today, still learning how to draw. And uh, so, but anyway, yeah. The, yeah, you're humble. You say that yeah. it was it was rad, and and I think Bob, you can actually lay claim to the first marker art on a vehicle. Okay, right. Right, let's just say it right now. All the guys that came after him. That's it. Like being a podcast host. I'll be real. Yeah. He's the Von <laughs> Dutch of the BMX uh, marker van uh, world. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So Bob, is that you? Were you an artist? You got some, you submitted your art first, right? To magazines? Yeah. My, I've always done art. I've always yeah. was uh, into drawing. And uh, as a young teenager, I, was, I got deep into Mad Magazine. And that's really when I start Mad Magazine and Cartoons Magazine, which is a car magazine. I love cartoons and I love the illustrations. So that's kind of where I learned. I learned how to draw cars, you know, and also, you know, uh, Big Big Daddy Roth and Dave Deal. I was just going to say Dave Deal. I I was into all of that, you know, kind of exaggerated uh, cartooning. And then Mad Magazine I love because, you know, again, the artwork in there, I had you know, select artists that I really liked. I also liked the, you know, satirical humor, you know, which was, which was part of Mad Magazine and things like that. So, but artwork was kind of really the foundation of everything, you know, bikes, motocross, and Mm -hmm. all of this motorcycles and BMX bikes, they were kind of the add on, but the core, the core discipline was always doing artwork. I had a drawing table in my room and I'd sit there with my headphones on and, you know, I just, we had a lot of conflict at home when I was a kid too. So mom and dad weren't exactly getting on well. And it was easy for me to go to my room, put my headphones on and just sit at my drawing table and kind of zone out the noise. If, yeah. You know, there was, yeah. you know, turmoil at home. And uh, yeah, I would stay up, you know, for hours on end. My dad worked night crew at a supermarket and he'd get up at two or three in the morning, he'd tap me on the shoulders and tell me, hey, go to bed, you know, and um <laughs> But, you know, that's, that's, you know, you, you're a kid and you, you're excited about something, you're super mm-hmm. into it, and the first thing you do is get up in the morning and you look at, hey, what did you draw? How does it look? And so that was exciting. But, yeah, art, art was first. And, um, you know, even when I, again, back on the art story is, I can say in seventh grade or eighth grade, I remember, you know, I had an art class and everybody else, they had to, you know, one of the projects were to make a, like a paper mache box to uh-huh. hold pencils or something silly like that so of course i did that but i thought that was boring so i told my teacher i want to make a car so i made i made a car out of cardboard you know made the round wheels and paper mache like an old imsa like an imsa car you know like uh you know the formula body on it and painted it all up the teacher liked it so much he kept it but you know, I was always just trying. But again, back then, art was what I was doing. I was kind of a geeky kid, though. I was into model trains. I built models, cars, and airplanes, and wooden model airplanes that you fly. And 
So all of that stuff as a young kid really taught me how to make things. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're building things and you're painting them and you're assembling. And so that, you know, kind of taught me a lot as a young guy with no formal training how to do things. So, but anyway, fast forward through the formidable days of artwork and things like that, you know, I became passionate about motorcycles, became passionate about BMX and um, really just got lost in all of that. But again, the art, it came back to artwork because that's how I got deep into BMX was I submitted my artwork to some of the local Southern California ragazines, if you will, like a magazine, but it was a, you know, um, newsprint type magazine. So I got published. So you didn't make a lot of money. I mean, you get maybe $25 for your artwork in it, but like a, like a drug addict that immediately fueled me all of a sudden, like, wow, your work is in a, in a magazine and then someone paid you for it. It's legit. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, I want to do that more. And then the BMX action magazine came along a real, you know, form, um, formidable and proper magazine. And I submitted my artwork to the magazine to Bob Osborne and, um, he liked it. I met him at Ascot Park in Los Angeles. And um, I started, I got to be the staff artist. Now my name is on the, the masthead in the magazine. You know, it's like, it's, it's legit. And uh, Bob was great. You know, he gave me a page in the magazine to do whatever I wanted, you know, so I would, you know, wow. I had a blank page. So I had a lot of leeway. So all of that, you know, fuels the passion. You know, so, so I have to finish on this. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to wander here. So the artwork in BMX action got me deep into BMX because now I work at a BMX publication mm -hmm. and working at the publication, you know, I worked for the leading magazine, which was a small cottage industry, but it was the leading magazine, RL Osborne, who is, the uh, publisher's son, him and I become very good friends and also, you know, teammates and we ride together every day. So all day I work at the magazine, I'm doing artwork at night, we're riding BMX bikes and then on the weekends and we're racing it. So you're just, you're just immersed in this. And so you, you know, you keep doing it, you get pretty good at it in both disciplines. So anyway, so that's, that's the short story, but that's, you had no formal training. You just would sit up all night and draw and you were influenced by like animation and like you said, um, you know, the, the Big Daddy Roth or whatever that was. So your, your images are kind of exaggerated. They're kind of cartoonish, but the but it's amazing detail. Um, my producer sketch just asked, were you, have you ever considered doing uh, NFTs? I don't even know if that is. I know what it is. I've heard about it. I haven't. I haven't dug into that. It's a digital digital artwork. She's she's techie. She's she's an artist too, and all that. So <laughs> we'll talk after the show. I'll need, I'll need her help. Bob, you need to I, do one. What's that? Is you need to do one. You need to do some because I I've already published some NFTs. Yeah, and it, it really is. Yeah, it's 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 going. You know, I I kind of wondered at first, but no, it's continuing like a snowball, and it's right. and it's huge. But do that, and please send me one you. since it was my suggestion. I'll take credit for this suggestion. Okay, there Your you go. Is coming. Um, <laughs> Checks the, in the mail. Uh, the question I want to ask Bob is: I, What I remember from your drawings back in the day, it was all about the lifted Toyota trucks with the big tires loaded with BMX bikes in the back, or 
because of Oz, the 930 turbos, and you drew so many of those, were you drawing what you wanted? Was it like, like you said, was it like, man, I want that Toyota pickup truck lifted, so I'm drawing it, or, you know, just, or was it just another influence? No, well, again, growing up in San Diego, we're, you know, close to Baja in Mexico, Baja 1000, and the races are happening, and, you know, in my neighborhood, there were a couple of guys that were building Baja. You know, my brother had a Baja bug. You know, another friend of mine had a lifted Toyota, and it looked really cool, and I love that. Um, no, it was just all of what came out in the illustrations. It's kind of a lot what was going on in, in Southern California, in my neighborhood, in my life. You know, I eventually, when I started making a little bit of money, I had, a you know, that my lifted Toyota that was pretty tricked out. You know, I had the centerline championship wheels on it. A buddy of mine I went to school with in high school, he was a off-road um, car fabricator. So he needed a logo and uh, I did a logo for his business and he put the suspension and off-road bumpers and everything on my truck, which was a very dangerous thing to have when you're, you know, 19 or 20 years old, when you have a truck that you could bounce and jump like a dirt bike on the highway <laughs> my my driving record really was really horrible <laughs> and um so no all of that was really just a byproduct of all the things we were doing you know and um yeah the lifted van was really inspired from oz's van and um yeah the trucks were definitely what was going on in the hood you know i had a lifted truck my buddies had trucks like that you know it's, we thought we were so cool. Long hair and and uh, a lifted truck. We were, you know, we were yeah. very 909. We were, very, we were inland best. kids. We were inland guys. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not ashamed to say it's not a slag because I was an inland kid. <laughs> I like it. Respect. So um, also a lot of people may not know one of the most iconic movies, E.T., at the end, the bike chase scene. You were one of the stunt riders, right? Yes, correct. Which Which one were you? I was the guy in the uh, wearing a ski mask, so that was my ski mask. Okay, I was a, that was my job. So yeah, we did all the chase scenes. We worked yeah worked on the film and did all the chase scenes when you know Elliot and the kids take off with ET and you know uh, run away from the feds. So yeah. our job, you know, we we shot that up at Porter Ranch up in Los Angeles. Yeah. At a housing track up there, it was a, it was probably about, I think September or July. I don't know. It was summer and it was hot. It was probably a hundred and six hundred and mm -hmm. something degrees. You know how the valley gets. Yeah. And we were wearing jackets and hoodies and everything else, and we were riding just you know bombing down the hills as they took multiple takes of us. So we worked. I worked on that. I don't know week week and a half doing that. And then there was uh, other things the other guys shot that were in studio. The green screen where the bike yeah. was flying and all that stuff. But yeah, it was cool. I almost blew it on that in the sense of I was living in Torrance and um, I went out for the audition for the movie E.T. And it was called A Boy's Life. It wasn't called E.T. yet. <laughs> and uh, I rode and they, you know, we spent the day there. They took our information down and all that kind of good stuff. And then they, they told me that, uh, hey, we want you to, we'd like you to work what we'd like to work with you. And he says, hey, you know, we can pay you $50 a day. 
I'm like 50 bucks a day. I said, dude, I'm not driving all the way out here for Torrance, you know? So I almost, you know. Bill Barr's so like, asked, yeah, it's a low budget. It's like an indie. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know who Steven Spielberg was, you know? Yeah. I don't think he wasn't his, he came out of Jaws, but he wasn't his, you know, I'm, I'm not a big, I wasn't paying attention. So anyway, long story short is they paid me a little bit better. And the upside of the story is I got to be an ET instead of sitting here saying, I blew it and I talked yeah. myself out of being in the movie E.T. So <laughs> nice because it could have gone well, Spielberg ways. wasn't the icon that you were at the time. But yeah, I mean, that's the problem, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like about I, that. I made a little fish movie called Jaws. I don't know if you've heard of it, Bob. You've yeah, been out. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Four so, wheeling yeah, in your was... Toyota truck. Uh, so, Bob, real quick before you have to let you go here. So then years later, BMX becomes a sport in the Olympics. So you must have been like a proud papa or uncle. And then they actually called on you to help with some choreography. Is that correct? So a couple like, things happen in that 2008 BMX racing is uh, becomes part of the Olympics. Okay. And uh, in 2007, I get hit up by a friend of mine that used to work at BMX Action Magazine, Mark Lumen. And Mark has an agency up in Portland called Nemo. And Mark asks, calls me up and says, hey, you know, tells me the story that, you know, obviously BMX is in the Olympics. Nike's coming on board. You want to work with Nike and be part of the effort. How do you say no? You know what I mean? So uh, I didn't talk myself out of a deal. And, I, and uh, we started working. So 2008, I worked with Nike on, on the introduction of BMX racing into the Olympics. And I did the team kits, their, you know, pants, jerseys, gloves, wow. as well as worked as a spokesperson. I got lucky to be on the Nike stage up in Portland. They had, a, they have a huge media center at their campus up there. And I want to say they had 300 plus news organizations from around the world. I mean, it was incredible. It was like the UN, they got headsets for all the different languages and, you know, people from Japan and Korea and Asia and, excuse me, and uh, Europe and all this kind of stuff. So they went through the various disciplines, which are, they go through the running and different categories of sportswear. And then I think we were the last one. It was action sports. I worked with a guy named John Martin he was the director for uh, uh, Nike um, 6.0. So that was the action sports division. So anyway, long story short is got to stand on stage in front of all these media people and talk about BMX. And that was a, that was a pretty cool moment. So that was, so I did that in 2008 and I did that in 2012. Then 2012, I got to work with Danny Boyle in London. I, st I lived in London for almost five months. And we worked on the opening ceremonies for the 2012 London Olympics. And so that was, I had 240 riders that worked with me. Wow. And sadly, BMX got cut two weeks prior to the, to the show going live as they needed in a, in a, in a show like that, they call them sequences. Okay. I don't want you tell me when I got 30 seconds. No, and you're, then, good. you're good. You're good. So they, they needed to shorten the show and they were cutting out certain sequences and sadly BMX got cut. And but they kept in I, curling, right? They kept in the, yeah, pushing the rock on the goddamn ice. Of course. Well, that's important. Not some guys doing some sweet tabletops. And <laughs> well, I, my, you know, it was heartbreaking because these, these people that 
are part of the show, they volunteer and they come from all over England. They jump Damn. on the train and they ride four or five hours on the train to be at the Olympic Stadium yeah. and to be part of the show. And then it got cut. So there was a lots of lots of challenges though. We had I think we had 16 ramps in the whole Olympic Stadium. We had all these ramps and wedge ramps and quarter pipes and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be really cool. And um, but logistically, it turned out to be a lot of you know a lot of equipment to bring out into the stadium. Yeah, yeah. And then they threw in another layer of uh, technical challenges. The horses were horses were part of the show and they put down this plastic, you know, like in the, you know, Brad, you know, in the, in the hot rod garage, they had that plastic flooring, you know, for your car. Yeah. But Brad does cause all of his cars leaks oil. So yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Well, that, that makes sure <laughs> maybe it's sponge. So anyway, they put this on the Olympic stadium floor then it, the, all those ramps became so difficult to move. So anyway, long story short, BMX got cut, but it was a cool project to work on. And uh, I'm proud that I got to be part of it. I'm, I apologize to all those hot and talented BMX riders that didn't get to be in the show. though. So I, I feel you. Let's talk about Brad on the show. Brad comes with a whole truck full of props and all kinds of ramps and everything. I'm like, buddy, it's a green screen. We just need a green screen. <laughs> and then he cuts me out. Yeah, logistically, there's sequences. That's it. That's it. There, there are sequences to the show. And real quick here, Bob, before I let you go, and Brad, dude, you're a great co-host. We're like, you know, I didn't know we we had this uh, hey man, synergy this here. About, I get. I wanted to say, Bob, you you really, you know, you've done so much for the sport, and and you know, there's certain people that you can always kind of, you know reach out to and, and say, that guy did this. And I mean, Oz did so much, you know, for promoting and, and that whole machine he created there. But without you, that look and that, that little bit of spice that you always threw in with your cartoons and with your, you know, stuff. And not to mention the Haro number plates. They haven't been mentioned here, but Dude, that was, that was the... Holy grail of number plates. Oh, my God. I wanted one so bad. Every Christmas I waited, ran out, and you know what? Last year I still didn't get one. And uh, so, but no, seriously, Bob, I mean, you know, thumbs up, dude, because those number plates alone made, it took us from paper plates and taking something from motocross to something that was truly BMX, created for BMX, designed for BMX and it made us legit. Thank yep. you. Thanks dude. Yeah, they were beautiful. And before I got the grips that Tony nurse stole from me, I, think <laughs> I had it. I was like, Tony, you're not getting the plate, bro. We can trade grips, but you can't get the Haro plate. That's that was the Holy the, grail. The two, the two finger plastic the lever, two, man. That was all these. Man. That was a game changer. It was, if it yeah. just didn't flex so much. I didn't think <laughs> I, I never thought about that until you came out with those like, Oh shit. Oh yeah. It's just like this. Real, yeah, real so quick, many buddy. Of those Wyman's that we that we broke trying to heat and bend. Remember, we'd put yeah. them down and then we'd bend it, snap and go. Oh, damn, you know. Oh. So, yeah, <laughs> Brad, no, good stuff. Brad, what did you call the pedals? The uh, the uh, the bear the bear, bear traps. The bear traps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just eat our shins. Hey, buddy, real quick, Bob. Yes, what sir. is your hell yeah moment? Your proudest moment in your career besides uh, tonight and meeting Brad Fanshawe, of course, when you were a teenager. Uh, <laughs> Excluded these my, two. What's my hell yeah moment? Um, 
Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Olympics I, is cool. I, don't, I have one. I have, you know, of course, we always say, you know, your, your, your kid, my, my daughter for sure. But, you know, my new project is I, I write music. So I've been writing music for since I was a kid and, wow. you know, working on that and having some songs uh, get published. That's that's been fun. You know, I got like five listeners out there, but I'll take it. You know, I like you got to have. New that's challenges. four more than I have, Bob. So you're doing good, buddy. You got to have you got to have challenges. <laughs> We're going to have you on the next show singing and we'll have Brad back. Brad's always on. He's one of my buddies. Brad, thank you for introducing me. No problem, man. You got to introduce me. Come on. So thank you guys. You're both legends. Thanks, buddy. We didn't drink, but we'll make it up. We'll make up for it. Oh, and I had a drink called the Whoop-dee-doo, too. We'll do that next time. Do that next time. Hey, Bob, let's get together soon, buddy. you'll, You'll see me soon. Hey, boys. I... Fellas, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Brad. Always, buddy. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Judy. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Add us us to your favorites. Add us to your favorites. Add us to your favorites. And keep your browser locked. Keep your browser locked. Hello, beautiful people. This is Judy Liu, executive producer at Van Grio. I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Come On Get Happy Hour with Stevie D. You could be listening to anyone right now and... We're so appreciative that you've chosen to spend a little time with us. Your continued support means everything to us. Please continue to like and share our podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers. Tell a stranger on the street. We really do appreciate it. Be sure to follow at Vangrio on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, follow Stevie D and his so-called friends on Facebook. There you will see the videos of our episodes. At Vangrio, we rely on the continued support of our amazing listeners like you to be able to produce our content. If you wish to make a donation or shop our merch, please visit Vangrio.com. That's V-A-N-G-R-I-O-T dot com. Thanks so much for listening. And now, back to the show. All right, it was Legends Night, Brad Fanshaw. He's a legend. Check out Bond Speed Wheels, his partner, Michael Anthony, Van Halen. He's got so many great stories. Go back on Spotify. Look at some of the past uh, appearances he made. Bob Haro, true, true legend in the BMX design world, an artist. He's worked with Nike, with Red Bull, the Olympics. Uh, So check out Bob Haro. Anything he's got going, the dude's a visionary. And Sketch, thank you so much. Another visionary. So many talents. It's good to be back, and I'm glad everyone's joined I appreciate you, and I'm glad the flood's all dried up. Well, it's not dried up at all, Stevie, just in my house. Oh. (laughs) We got another storm coming through, but that's okay. He's like, I'm Um, living in a tent right now, but uh, I have a generator, but... uh, And I have access to podcasts, which if you want to listen to this show, we encourage you to jump over to Spotify, look up Come On, Get Happy Hour with Stevie D, and you will find this episode uh, later tomorrow, as well as a bunch of others with some really great, fantastic guests that we have and if you have suggestions for guests that you would like us to have or suggestions for our next top 10 list be sure to hit us up on stevie d and his so-called friends facebook page and drop a message there for us thank you all for listening see how smooth that is how smooth she is so come like up, i do make... this for a living man that's right so that's how we do it so we bring it uh i think we have one more before christmas i hope yeah because uh sure. got a couple music legends queued up and we'll make sure we confirm them because they, they're all they're all in until you confirm them but, but yeah i'm pretty sure pretty positive we uh are you, are you waiting have a good for show. a restraining order to expire and then we can yeah yeah if they don't okay. i'll just keep stocking them and they finally <laughs> like bob he's like okay dude please leave me alone i'll do it 
But anybody, uh, any, any, if you have anyone in mind, uh, shoot us uh, a message on IG or Facebook and, 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 and check out the shows. Tell all your peeps, come on, get happy hour because we all need to be happy. Turn off the news and get happy, y'all. We will see you next week. Thank you, Judy, Sketch, Lewinson, and everybody. Legends, y'all. Legends. Bye, y'all. Take them out. You're in the mix with Judy Lou. This is a Vangrio production.